Abolition. Abolition. Today. Just keep it flying. Keep it flying? And, and why do you want to keep it flying? Why do you want to, why would anybody want to erase our heritage? Well, some people would say that that flag symbolizes uh, racism, it symbolizes slavery, um, and they might have some valid points there. Uh, that's their opinion, you know, they're welcome to their opinion if they want it. Are you, are you pro-slavery or against slavery? I have no comment, but thank you for the interview. I'll give you one more chance, pro, pro or anti-slavery. Uh, no comment. I, well, I'll give you one more opportunity to say if you're pro or anti-slavery. No, I don't, no comment. All right, well, there you have it. No, no comment on the uh, if you're in favor of slavery or not. Just keep it flying. I'm done hot. I'm done hot. How many say when I'm done? done. Spiritual chainsaw, chop you down till your brain's gone. When the Lord comes back, call me your game's off. The wicked are overthrown, your engines are overblown. Diminishing chromosome, this ain't the same song, no. I've come to give you your final warning. Submit to the Lord now, we're strong Kingston. You'll be in that fire burning. The jig is up, listen up, this is that higher learning. I know at night you're nervous, you know the tide is turning. You feel the tide is turning, my verses and higher sermons. Little bit of yes, but sweet as Aunt Jemima syrup. Ready to ride, put my feet inside the stirrups. I'm trying to spur a connection, you're just trying to find some service. It hurts to give you this message. But someone's got to mention You're piling up your debt and God is coming to collect it He's got a score, he's got to settle I hope you've grown cold Cause you're about to be hot forever run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down Go tell that long tongue liar Tell that midnight rider, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Yes. Yeah. What are you afraid of? Your fear is coming, hope you got crops saved up. The reaper's coming, your pride is what you're made of. Jesus humbles when he lights some furnace flames up. His spirit grumbles, you fear the numbers of prophets and martyrs you had to murder. Demons that keep you hard and start to show on the surface. You can't hide it anymore. The cries have been burning your memory, I hope you know. Your time is determined, now your purpose to share light on every lie on this earth. So if you don't like it, you can hide in the dirt. Right with the worms, get plucked up while you're trying to work. No root is established and that is highly deserved. Everything you built up is crumbling down. Everything you saved up is worth nothing now. I hope you know by now that God is going to cut you down. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. One more thing. Fall on you. I hope you got a place to hide out when he calls on you. Gone in the way of pain, trust me, he's got his mark on you. I hope somebody built a fireproof arm for you. Now let me talk to you. Uh, I cling to my Bible because I find it all true. Uh, this world is evil, and that's what the cross 
of religions up in the dark room. What is said in the closet will be heard on these songs. God doesn't want me to tone this message down. So I'll just speak it in these raps and these letters for now. Soldier for the Lord and I know he won't let us down. Spiritual war and I don't plan to lay my weapons down. Can't wait for the day that he locks the devil down. Glory, glory, hallelujah, what a blessed sound. The time has come, my pen is out. You can try to run, but let me tell you now. supporter of slavery followed by Chris Black Ohio along with Johnny Cash singing sooner or later God's gonna cut you down the rap remix peace and welcome to abolition today a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th amendment of the US Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major streaming platforms as well as Amazon Music. My name is Max Parthas. I'll be joined later in the program by my co-host Yusuf Hassan. He's on the road at the minute. Uh, Today is Father's Day, and uh, I certainly am one. And I want to say happy Father's Day to all the Abrahams and the Josephs out there, those that made them and those that raised them. Salute. It's also the night before Juneteenth. Our last two weeks were pre-Juneteenth episodes. In week one, we heard the lead organizer of one of the largest national Juneteenth events in the South, Juneteenth Jamal Basile Bradley. And in week two, we heard one of the leading voices in reparations who came to speak with us, Brother Chris Lotson. These two topics would normally indicate a post-slavery society, and yet both of those organizers are slavery abolitionists. Hopefully, their unique perspectives will help others gain an understanding of the issues surrounding modern legal slavery as it exists under the Slavery Exception Clause of the 13th Amendment and in 17 state constitutions. Speaking of state constitutions, tonight we're joined by Louisiana Representative Edmund Jordan, a member of the Louisiana House of Representatives, representing District 29. He's the author of HB 211 and the abolition bill that came before that. As we reported last week, Louisiana's 2023 abolition bill failed in the Senate, giving us another disheartening loss 
in 23 like we had in 2022. We hope Representative Jordan can give us the firsthand rundown on how in the confounding Confederate states this happened again. We'll also be dropping the names of the senators who chose to vote no. Before I bring in our guests, let me give you the deets on recent events. Yesterday marked eight years since the Charleston Church Massacre at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. The Charleston Nine, as they are called, were murdered in cold blood in the church on June 17, 2015 by Dylan Roof, a man who lived only a mile away from me at the time and decided this was how he was going to start the Civil War. Then, also on June 14th, with good news, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, and Congresswoman Nikema Williams of Georgia reintroduced the Abolition Amendment in Congress to end the exception in the 13th Amendment that still allows slavery as a punishment for crime. It has been a heck of a week, and I'm looking at the board to see if either my co-host is in or if Representative Jordan is in, and I don't see either one of them. Uh, So throughout the night, we'll be discussing a number of things that have been going on, uh, particularly happening in Louisiana and Ohio and nationwide. Uh, You know, there was recently a DOJ report that came out about uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, showing just how corrupt the police there are and the patterns and practices of discrimination, racism, brutality, exploitation, uh, all of these things came out. And I know it's a little mind-blowing when you hear that, but, you know, you got to put it on the list of things black people already done told you, <laughs> like we've been telling you. And it's not just Minneapolis. Um, you know, I did a little research yesterday. And I was looking at, since the Ferguson report, the DOJ, when they investigated Ferguson and found much of the same thing there, I found 30 different cities where the Department of Justice has investigated and found the same thing just since Ferguson. So they're talking about these patterns and practices of brutality, uh, but yet they can't see the patterns and practices happening nationwide, or they're ignoring them and not telling us. But I ain't blind, and I know how to do my research. So as I said, 30 different states that had these patterns and practices. Matter of fact, let me give you the names. Minneapolis, Minnesota, Louisville, Kentucky, Chicago, Illinois, Columbus, Ohio, Warren, Ohio, Ferguson, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, Baltimore, Maryland, Springfield, Massachusetts, Worcester, Massachusetts, New Orleans, Louisiana, The Louisiana State Police, y'all remember that with Ronald Green, which is ongoing right now. Mount Vernon, New York, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Taylor, Michigan, Phoenix, Nevada, Sacramento, California, Atwater, California, Salinas, California, Antioch, California, San Francisco, California, Tampa Bay, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania, Spokane, Washington, Seattle, Washington, Newark, New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey, my hometown. Portland, Oregon, and Puerto Rico, all of these have been investigated by the Department of Justice. Between 1994 and 2017, the Department of Justice had 69 ongoing or completed investigations of state or local law enforcement agencies. The federal government 
closed 26 of these investigations without a formal finding of misconduct. A total of 41 agreements were made between the DOJ and effective agencies, and about half of those agreements are consent decrees, just like they're getting now in Minneapolis, while the other half involved memorandums of understanding between the Department of Justice and in the investigated agencies. And, you know, the P- Department of Justice is effectively a paper tiger. Um, they don't really do much, it seems like. They come out, they do these investigations, they say, hey, they're robbing you blind, they're exploiting you, they're using you as a products in a, you know, resident to prison scheme that they're going on. There's more warrants in your city than there are people. Uh, And the police have quotas and the prisons have quotas. And so many of these things that get uncovered, the murders, the death, the killing, and yet nothing ever happens of it. It seems like nobody ever goes to jail. Nobody is sentenced with anything. And this is the federal government. I, I mean, where are your teeth? And again, as I mentioned earlier, their whole thing is to study these patterns and practices within the police departments across these cities, and yet they can't see the patterns and practices happening all across the country, and I find that hard to believe. All right, I'm still looking for um, our people to call in right now, so what I'm going to do is take a moment and play the most recent um, advertisement for the our federal arm of the Abolish Slavery National Network uh, from Worth Rises, they have a series called Except for Me, and uh, they put out a a powerful commercial. Uh, I'll play that, and then it'll be followed by Free from Goody Mob, and it'll give me a second to try to get my people in. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas. Abolition Abolition. The 13th Amendment has been a letdown for many, many millions of individuals in our country. I thought that slavery, that, that Lincoln freed the slaves, right? I had no idea that there was an exception clause to the 13th Amendment. I didn't think of it as a real thing. It's not like people are actually going to be enslaved. Slavery never ended. It evolved. It changed. It tricked us into thinking that it doesn't exist and right under our nose has been right there. Honestly, working in prison made me feel like shit. It was traumatizing. Where else can you make somebody work for free? And if they don't work, you can lock them up or you can even beat them up. You have no ownership over who you are as a human being. The culture of that place led me to believe that I was worthless. I felt the weight of being less than, being a beast of burden being three-fifths of a person. You were not allowed any days off. You were not allowed any sick time. Organizing workers was strictly prohibited. They locked down the prisons. Nobody gets phone calls. Nobody gets showers. An incarcerated person is always wrong. You're not even considered a worker. I would work a day for a staff. I went without for that entire time I was locked up. I walked out of prison after 12 years with $40 in a bus ticket. That's all they gave me to try to rebuild my life. The 13th Amendment represents a concession for me and I think millions of other formerly incarcerated people, this concession has to change. If we are against slavery, we have to be against it in its entirety. It would mean everything to me to end the exception. It means this country reaching its 
greatest potential. We're going to keep working until we all agree that it's not okay to have slaves. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery except for me. Except for me. Except for me. And welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. You just heard the latest presentation from Worth Rises entitled, Except for Me, the Voices of the People Directly Affected by This Slavery System. And that was followed by Goody Mobs Free. Uh, I am now joined by our guests for this evening, uh, Louisiana Representative Edmund Jordan, a member of the Louisiana House of Representatives representing District 29. And as I said earlier, he is the author of HB 211 and the abolition bill that came before that. Uh, Welcome back to Abolition Today, uh, Brother Jordan. Appreciate you being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. Indeed, man. It's been a hell of a ride for us these past two years, hasn't it? It really has. But you know what, uh, Hopefully, we still got some more time to go. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we got to keep it positive and keep it moving. Um, but it has been a little mind-blowing because, like yourself, but through digital media, I was able to listen to all of the hearings. Of course, we were out there joining you in the press conference. Uh, we've seen this thing go through the whole 2022 or, and 2023, and the arguments have blown my mind. Uh Maybe you can give us a little bit of a rundown of what we've been going through these past couple of years, what we were trying to achieve. And if you want to go right into what happened, we can do that. Look, I can, we can start with that. So, um, of course, you know, um, last, uh, when I say last session, I mean the 2022 session. Um, you know, we, we started, we got some momentum with this and, uh, and even before that, of course, you know, 2021, we, we did some stuff as well. But uh, 2022, we were able to get it on the ballot, but because of some confusion in the language, um, we basically had to, to, to pull that back. But, you know, like I told you last year when we spoke, I, I was definitely committed to bringing it back and trying to put it back on the ballot. And uh, and this year we were fairly close, but, but I will tell you the um, the same arguments that they were making that, you know, this was going to interrupt the administration of the criminal justice system, that it was going to take away from work release programs, it was going to take away from voluntary work, 
it, you know, I even heard, um, you know, they, they threw, threw two new ones on us this year that it was going to take away from <laughs> and interfere with good times. And mm-hmm. the, the, the one that, the, you know, uh, the other one that got me was that they put a fiscal note on the bill uh, when it got over to the Senate on the Senate floor to try to kill it. And ultimately, that's where they killed it on the Senate floor. But um, but even that in, in and of itself, uh, I think, shows some things are not right with this system. You know, so um, uh, we got we got like a 80 some million dollar fiscal note on this thing. Yeah, mm. uh, which was which was crazy to me. But but did you say eighty some, million? Yeah, but the, but let me say this to you: when talking to some folks, I can tell you right now, prison enterprises, which is which is an arm of the uh, prison system, it's like their private system where you know these guys make goods and 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 perform services that are sold. To the well, supposedly to the general public. We'll, we'll we'll work on that a little bit next year. But they um they sold over thirty million dollars worth of product last year, and they're claiming that they had expenses uh in the realm of twenty nine twenty twenty nine thirty million. So they made about a anywhere from a one to three million dollar profit. Mm. Uh, is is what I'm being told. On paper. Um, on paper, on paper, right. So, yeah. but if you, but if you, but it, but basically, what they said was, if this bill passed, then they would have to pay minimum wage, and that's when the, the fiscal note went into the, you know, eighty million dollar range. Uh, I'm told. So, um, speaking uh, of something you know, of extreme value, I just want to interrupt you real quick because I did make a mistake. I didn't say Happy Father's Day to you, brother. You had take your time on Father's Day to be here, and I just want to let you know that I appreciate that. Happy Father's yeah, Day, Representative George. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Thank you. All right. Um, but no, so man, look. So these are the the things that we're doing. And let me just say this: speaking speaking of Father's Day, look, Max, we 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 you and I are doing this, but um, but but and look, not to not to make us out to be some uh, some folks that are just sacrificing, but but the truth is. We're doing this more for our kids and our grandkids than we're doing this for ourselves at this point in life. So, um, so me taking time out on Father's Day is, is to me is really nothing because I mean, you know, we're doing this for the future and, and right. trying to trying to make the future better than the present and and certainly the past. Yeah, I've got nine grandsons, Representative Jordan, and according to the stats, one in three of them is supposed to end up in prison. It happened to my own sons. I had three sons. The stats hit us. Uh, as a matter of fact, two of them ended up in prison. So I can't imagine leaving a world behind where my grandson's got to be subject to this, where there's no change. There's got to be a change. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the work that you guys and your organization is doing is is proven fruitful. And I think that's what's really striking some of the fear in the opposition and some of these uh, state legislatures uh, in places where they, you know, people are, that are not of goodwill um, because they see what's happening that this change is coming. Uh, speaking about that fear, last year uh, it was Representative Seabow who said, this is the most dangerous bill we've seen come through in this session. And he was so concerned that if we allowed to pass removing the exception clause for involuntary servitude that everybody would be uh, able to get out of prison free um, because they'd be able to challenge their uh, sentencing, which was a sentencing to hard labor. 
and you explain to them right. in detail that you know that only affects about thirty percent of the population. It's a, a matter of where you're being sent, you know, not so much as what you're being you're doing, but where you're being sent. Um, and now this year they perfected their arguments and added more. Oh my God, it was amazing to hear some of the things they were concerned with. Like, are people going to be suing us? They tried at one point to get you to swear before God and two other races, white Republicans, that you would not um, take the exception that they put in there out of the bill during the Senate. That's it. <laughs> Remember you know, that? And, of course, I, 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 and, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I wouldn't commit to that. And and look, like I said, here's here's the problem that we have. And, and even if you see the the uh, the things that they do, they're doing. Outside of the bill that we had, but pay attention to the bills that they had that are trying to reverse some of the criminal justice reforms that we did just, you know, a couple of years ago. Look, I think you're well aware, Louisiana, the incarceration capital of the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were able to do some criminal justice reforms a few years ago that uh, that took that designation from us. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I think this last year we went back to the top again, and they're reversing some of that. But here's, here's what you have to pay attention to. Again, like I said, 70% of DOC prisoners, uh, 65 to 70% are going to parish prison. So that's the whole thing about the hard labor not uh, without hard labor. But these parish prisons then in turn charge the state uh, over $29 a day to house those prisoners. These people are building new facilities and they're bonding it out, and they've got to pay those bonds. So how do you do it? It's like a hotel. you got to keep them occupied. And because of the reform movements that we've done, less nonviolent criminals are going to jail. And if they're not going to jail, then you're not getting that, that $29, $30 a day. If you're not doing that, how are you paying that bond off? So all of this comes back. To, to the almighty dollar That's what they were worried about uh, If people will sue them I remember the conversation you had about the lawsuits And you were like well people are suing right now <laughs> Like things going to change in that There's 8th Amendment no, violations 14th Amendment violations And on and on People are suing right now How are you going to stop people from suing Right That's it People will sue for anything that necessarily mean that they have a valid argument, right? But they will sue. So, so you can't, you know, you can't say that people won't sue. If we don't change, like you said, if we don't change the laws, people are still going to sue. So, I mean, you know, look, um, they come up with whatever excuses they want, you know, that they wanted to come up with to get the outcome that they desired. And so, you know, it's kind of where we are right now. But but we've got to figure out other ways to try to. To uh, navigate it and uh, and try to push this through. You know, last year we had an exception that they agreed upon. I believe it went along the lines of nothing in this will prohibit uh, the work program or something along that line. But this year they went so far as to try to completely nullify what they had just wrote, and it read slavery and involuntary servitude are forever prohibited. Now we would have been fine with a period at the end of that. I mean, what's the big problem? Exactly. Right? But they wanted the prohibition of involuntary servitude shall not prohibit an inmate from be, being required to work when the inmate has been duly convicted of a crime. 
you have just negated what you just said, <laughs> like literally. And that was the big problem that we had with that. And we were afraid that if Louisiana was allowed to get away with this, it would influence other states just like Louisiana was influenced by Tennessee. And that was something that we did not want to see happen. So, we, you know, we just took the loss. We ain't had no other choice. And they were unwilling well, to budge. That's right. And look, sometimes, you know, and, and, I, and you know, you and I have had this discussion privately before, but sometimes it's better to pass no law than the one, the past one that's going to put us even further behind. So, and, that, um, right. and I do think with that, that's where we would have been. That's what we did. We had to make the hard decisions on that. Um, the fight ain't over. We still got 17 other states that have these exception clauses we're working on, including Louisiana. I do want to put out the names of the people who voted no in the Senate, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh, but Go I'll say it. that I'm going to say that for a, a few minutes from now. What I want to do first is I want to hear a clip from the uh, when we had the committee hearing, and Representative Knox was kind of the star of that show. He really encapsulated what we all were thinking and feeling, and you said as much. Uh, so I want to share with his words with our audience. And I did notice that we had a hand up wanting to ask a question. Uh, you can do that after we come back and speak with Representative Jordan a little bit more behind this clip. So let's listen to Louisiana Representative Knox when he was talking about HB 211 during the May 9th committee hearing. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. My concern when it comes to this issue, one of slavery, that we are trying to thread the needle in any way we can to come up with a red herring to keep it in a constitution. And for that, I'm confused, I'm perplexed, I'm concerned, I'm disgusted, and I'm a little angry about it. And let me tell you why. I served in the United States Marine Corps Infantry, served in combat. And I know for a fact that there are tens of thousands of men and women who have served in the U.S. military. There's tens and thousands of men and women who serve in the Louisiana State National Guard. And for them to be able to hear what I'm hearing, that some members of this body, for whatever the reason may be, and for whatever justification, they want to retain something that's so ugly and so disgusting about this state as it relates to slavery and conflate it with something to justify their own, their own sense of, of reason. And I, I've, I've met these people, I've met my colleagues, I've spoken with them one-on-one, I've seen them in movement, I've seen them in action, and I submit that I maintain these are good and decent people. And for me, as someone who suffers from the scars of combat, for me as an African American who have to sit here as an elected official to hear these good and decent people as I see them come up with reason after reason to justify why we should keep something like this in the Constitution. It's beyond me. Whether it's symbolic or not, it seems to me that we will want to do anything that we can to show that what happened historically isn't something we want to reflect as a state and as a nation. It seems to me that good and decent people would want to take that stance. Whatever the issue may be with this bill, and I'm hearing and I'm receiving that there are some, there's no doubt in my mind that it can be worked out. But the fact of the matter is what you're trying to do, Rep. Jordan, is to symbolically 
to use the term that's been used previously, to send the message that this state recognizes the horror of this past. This state does not want that black eye, does not want that thing to continue. That's how I see this. As the simplest person sitting here, as the most lay person who is watching this, that's what I would take away from everything that has been said. And to see you sit there repeating yourself time and time again what this bill is not, I'm disheartened by the fact that you keep getting the same question to tie it to something that is not. So people can put at ease whatever vote that they're intending to take about this. I find that to be abhorrent. I find it to be disgusting. I find it to be outrageous, to be quite frank about it, as a combat Marine. And I'm most concerned about the men and women who serve in our military, and particularly the African men and women who serve in our military on behalf of this state and on behalf of this country who have to sit and listen to what I sit and listen to as an elected official, as an African American, and in particular as an African American male, these good and decent people, as I see them, try as best as they can to rationalize, symbolic or not, why we should retain something so hurtful, so many of our state residents. I can't, I can't phantom it. And whatever conversations we're going to have after this vote, whatever engagement I'm going to have with my colleagues after this vote, I still will engage with them. I still will think they're good and decent people. But there's no doubt in my mind that there's a different thought that I have if they think that this is okay. Because what it all comes down to, in my observation, and my impression, is that some people don't care about how other people feel in this state of Louisiana in particular. Some people are not as concerned about, as you indicated earlier, your son, your daughter, how they have to live in a state that does not want to recognize its past. I can't fathom that. And Mr. Chairman, I'm going to wrap up. But I do want to make it clear that I am embarrassed, not just for my colleagues, but for those who believe that the group of people that are most impacted, that their feelings are not taken into account. That the feelings and, and, and aspirations of their children and their children's children, that it has no regard to that. Abolition. Abolition. Welcome back to Abolition Today. That was Representative Knox speaking about HB 211. I'll go ahead right to you, uh, Brother Jordan, uh, your thoughts. Because you were right there. He was talking to you, and I know you was feeling it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, look, that's Alonzo Knox, uh, one of our newest reps out of New Orleans, a uh, strong brother, um, like I said, recently elected, and uh, former, uh, well, I, I don't know if he can be a former, but he, he is a veteran of the Marines, as you heard him say, mm-hmm. and, uh, and has served served his country, served his state, and uh, and so you know, look, I can't say it any better than what he said it for himself. Oh, and that fire on the bio burned it. Oh man, just burning yeah. it down. Um, yeah, it, it it was a lot of, and and these are the words I heard from our, our uh, allies. There was a lot of mental gymnastics going on. A lot of red herrings being thrown out, a lot of false associations happening, a lot of misdirection happening. It seemed like they just couldn't get it through their skull 
what it is we were trying to achieve or they were pretending not to know. Uh, and it was very offensive to hear some of these new words they were making up for involuntary servitude, you know, like trying to call it something else in order to justify it. Um, and I, I'm, at this point, you know, people are very upset. You, me, Curtis Davis, lead organizer, uh, not at you or anything we've done, but at Louisiana itself. They were the laughing stock of the country last year with uh, people like Trevor Noah doing highlights on the late night talk shows. Uh, at least four or five of them did these discussions where they were saying, you know, Louisiana's a slave state. And now you got the NAACP asking for a tribal at, uh, uh, warning that black people shouldn't come, whether it be uh, for Mardi Gras or anything, because you're not safe there. We're not it's a state. Not bad. <laughs> Not just black people. So the advisory yes, they said LGBTQ, right? LG, yes, LGBTQ plus, uh, Hispanics, other minorities, um, and so you know, look, it is. Um, I don't think these guys, you know, they they really are conflating issues, but you know, I, I can't even see them as true what I would consider what you would even call traditional Republicans, because I thought Republicans were for, for you know, uh, economic prosperity and, and all these other things related to business. And I, I don't think they even understand that the negative economic impact that this puts on our state. And I even tried to explain that to them, and it uh, seemed like they have no, no knowledge or understanding of that aspect of it. I, I, I think that's pretentiousness. Like, they're pretending not to know. And matter of fact, let me drop some of the names in the Senate who voted no. These are the people in the Senate that said, no, we do not want to end slavery without an exception or involuntary servitude without exception in the state. That was the president of the Senate, uh, Senator Clouds, Senator Fessy, Senator Foyle, Senator Hensgens, Senator Hewitt, Senator Klein-Peter, Senator Lambert, Senator McMath, Senator Mills, Senator Mizell, Senator Peacock, Senator Pope, Senator Stein, Senator White, and Senator Womack. That's where it ended, right there. 21 said yes, and those 16 said no. And and let me explain to folks, even though though it was 21 to 16, because it's a constitutional amendment, you've got to get two-thirds votes on both uh, sides of the legislature. So... um, so the House has to do it and the Senate. So we were five votes short. We needed 26 in order for it to, be, to get on the ballot. And I remember you saying, you know, Max, I can get three. I couldn't get five. <laughs> you know, it was just that yeah. tight. I, yeah, there, there were, there, yeah, there were some in those names that I, I certainly could have convinced uh, to change their vote. Um, but getting to five, yeah, was not was not going to happen. After I, after I did a survey and the lay of the land, it was going to be tough to get those five. Yeah, they was and was and, and and you know right. even even with the posture and I'm gonna tell you I mean you know we would have had to change it to to even pick up more than five or get that five we would have to change it to such a point to go back to your earlier uh, statement it wouldn't have been in a posture or position that we would have wanted it in anyway right it would have just added problems to future states and what they're trying to do there you go. Uh, North Carolina tried the same thing, and we had to walk away from that as well. Um, They're getting very cunning now with these exceptions to the exception, you know, and we're trying to wade through it. So we've been in discussions with some uh, 
constitutional attorneys in order to try to find some kind of language that we could all agree on. Um, it's a shame that you need some insurance. And, you know, I was doing research on Louisiana back to the founding of it. And there was a particular document that I was recalled the Senate debate on the Breckenridge bill for the government of Louisiana in 1804. And the conversations in there were very like the conversations we were having in 2023 over slavery and involuntary servitude. Well, let me tell you something. And I, I can tell you, I've had some, some subsequent conversations. I can tell you, like the uh, Sheriff's Association and some of these other groups, um, this bill was front and center on, on their discussion list. Um, so when they met with their membership, this was uh this was one of the bills that they that they definitely wanted to discuss and, and put a stop to. And and look, not just in Louisiana and, and a lot of these states, these sheriffs associations, these these guys are a powerful group within state legislatures. And so, um again, this gets directly at their money, at their power and at their influence. And this becomes a threat to them, uh, even though it's unwarranted. But uh, but then when you get down to the money aspect of it, um, look, they've run the numbers, and I'm sure they've met with some of their uh, accountants, and they they know the economic impact that uh, that it has directly on them. Yeah, that's a profound and true statement that you have made, and I've experienced it personally. Uh, in state after state, where oftentimes it's either the police unions, the sheriff's association or even the Department of Corrections itself uh, that is using its power to kill our bills um, because it does have a potential to threaten uh, their money, um, which also shows you that it isn't about criminals. It's not about crime anymore. It's about keeping that money flowing, particularly in a place where sheriffs have parishes and they're like little kings in those things. And the more people they have in their cells, the more resources that they have made available to them. Which goes back to the point, if this is not an offshoot of what slavery was, then what is it? Save for the people in the back. I don't think they heard you. (laughs) But yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, That's why I was comparing it from 1804. It's effectively the same arguments. Uh, And that kind of points at that old uh, saying that those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, So it's the same arguments over and over again. You even pointed out a criminal activity happening in real time to them, uh, whereas inmates who have been sentenced to a certain period of time and have been scheduled to be released remain incarcerated months after their release date. Uh, which one of your peers, I believe, called potential criminal kidnapping? Absolutely, it's false imprisonment. It's it's a it's a kidnapping. It's and 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 I will tell you, they agree that it's unconstitutional, but they won't call that slavery. And my thing is, if I'm if if you're housing and imprisoning somebody after their debt is due, so they owe no debt to you but you still have them housed and you're still making money off of them, then what is that? Exactly. Um, Representative Jordan, uh, we have a few hands up that would like to join us. I'll, if you don't mind, can we bring in one or two? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. 
All right. So uh, 4953, you are live on the air with Abolition Today here with Max Parthas and Representative Edmund Jordan. Uh, your name and your comment or question? Well, my name is Mrs. Pianchi. You know, apparently there's some things that's missing that people don't understand clearly. But I myself don't find anything wrong when a person has been convicted that they should work if they can to help pay for what it costs to incarcerate. Well, let's, let's ask also you think, a question before you go on any further, because that's a broad term when you say work. Do you mean work as in clean up, do the laundry, do the cooking, or do you mean as work for McDonald's, work for Burger King, uh, work for no, AT&T? I don't, think, I don't think they should be working for McDonald's. I think whatever they can do to offset the cost of tax, taxpayers to house them, uh, they should do it. And another thing, I think that the victims of these cr- crimes that was committed by these people, they should file civil lawsuits in order to uh, get restitution from them that way. And a lot of that's not been done. Are you the gentleman that called last week that is associated with the Convention of States? Yeah, I volunteer for them. Volunteer okay. for other things too. But no, right. uh, if a if a if a person that's committed a crime against an aggrieved a, a citizen, then that citizen should be able to file a civil lawsuit and, in order to recoup the damages. And what about the victimless crimes, like the uh, uh, three strike laws or uh, violation of technical violations of probation and things like that? Well, that there should be legislated. Those that those should be legislated. But if you get down to the point where you have victimless crimes, I think we've made a great improvement. I was going to ask Mr. Jordan, what's your uh, stance on some of the other House bills that like that came through, uh, like uh, 648, which uh, uh, places, uh, you know, it was against a, a, a child under 18 having to undergo gender reassignment and puberty blocking a judge is more or less. And also, how about the 537 that prohibits foreign adversaries from purchasing, leasing, and acquiring land in Louisiana? Uh, sir, we, we're trying to stay focused on this particular topic. In oh, here. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but we. I understand. I try to, to call his office and. I try to call his oh, office and see where he's no, standing. No, no, that's that's fine. Look, so look, we can look. We can talk about um, briefly. Let me just say this to you. I'm not. I don't. I don't, I don't like to interfere with. Uh, and this is a, a general statement. But but if you want to talk more about it, I'd be more than happy to talk to you offline about it. But I don't like to interfere uh, with any decisions between people, uh, parents, and their healthcare providers. So um, I like the professionals to deal with it. Just like I don't think you would get legal advice somebody that's a, from a, a non-attorney. I don't want to necessarily get medical or health advice from somebody that's not a physician. So, you know, I would I would leave it at that and and trust the physicians and the parents to make decisions that are best for the children. But but let me say this to you. You know, we we're talking about other bills. Let's talk about a bill that had 17 years. And this goes back to this point, Max, because I'm gonna bring it back and keep it on topic. We had another bill that um, that that Seabar and and uh, Stuart Cassie participated in, and hopefully this bill will get vetoed by the governor. That had 17-year-olds being uh, housed in adult prisons. Now, 
when you're talking about, look, we can make a distinction between violent and nonviolent crimes. And, you know, even though I, I'm, I'm not necessarily in agreement with it, but if you told me it only applied to violent criminals, you know, I might say, okay, well, I can see where an argument could be made for that. But this also applies to nonviolent offenses. So now I can have somebody 17 arrested for a nonviolent offense um, be housed in a uh, – and not, not, not convicted, just charged or arrested, um, have them housed in an adult prison. You know, so, I mean, look, what are we really doing? You know, we're really turning back the hands – of time, we're, we're not being progressive, and I don't mean like big P progressive. I mean we're really not being progressive. We're being regressive in some of the steps that we're taking. We're doing things that are known uh, and proven not to be a deterrent to crime, not to reduce recidivism, not to reduce our crime rates, but really just to be punitive and to help folks make money. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you on the one that you just uh, laid out with the 17-year-old. Well, I'm going to try to call your office, and maybe we can sit down and have a conversation with some of these. I mean, look, I don't okay. ever run from a conversation. I'll be happy to have any conversations uh, related Absolutely. to my legislative You yeah, have a happy Father's Day, sir. Happy Father's Day to home. you, too, bro. Thanks for calling yeah. in again. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take one more call. Um Eight nine three zero. You're on Abolition Today uh, with Max Parthas and Representative Edmund Jordan. I also think my co-host is in Yusuf as well. But uh, go ahead, okay. state your name, question, or comment. Hi, this is Karen. Hi, hey, Karen. Max. Happy Father's Day, Max. You know, Thank since you. the moment I met you, I've been calling you the father, not Father Abraham, but a father of the movement. So thank you so much, Max. And um, Representative Jordan, um, my name is Karen. Nice to meet you. Can you hear me? Because my Aaron. All right, good. I can hear you. Um, I have a quick question for you um, because the Beehive is coming to Louisiana and um, because you know her mom is Louisiana. And that's the last stop of the Renaissance tour of Beyonce. And, you know, you said that the people that are being persecuted are not just black folks, which is the LGBT community. And as far as I know, the Beehive is a very colorful people. Um, and, you know, how – and I've learned a lot about prosecution going through these amendments because, Vermont, we struggled, too, with our um, passing and being part of the legislator and going and visiting the legislator, my local legislator, and just seeing that process. There's a lot of – persecution and especially people like you guys like Max Yusuf and and you representative Jordan men who are leading us to a future that we've really never seen you know Max and he always talks about we've never seen a nation free of slavery we've never seen this you know so prosecution will happen and Christians know prosecutions Muslims know prosecutions it's everyone understands that prosecution must happen and and regarding your bill my question to you is and i've learned that prosecution can be a good thing you know nelson mandela taught us that and and it can also be used to multiply your impact how do you think what has been happening to louisiana um the persecution that's been happening in louisiana can be good for this movement and how do you and the people who support you, who support abolition today, um, young students, young leaders like me who are learning at this, at your footsteps, um, can can use what we're learning, what we're seeing before our eyes to really multiply the impact of 
this movement and and how can we get the beehive to be part of it how can we um really get the whole country to see open their eyes and not be so blind um how do you I hope you understood that cause well no I, I think I got I think I got yeah. you I think I got the gist of your question so so let me say this I've had the pleasure of meeting uh Beyonce's mother Ms. Knowles came to our legislature during the uh, Alton Sterling and George Floyd movements and, and what was going on and actually came to us with the representatives from uh, from Essence. So, um, and you know the Essence Festival, it happens in, in, in um, New Orleans uh, every 4th of July weekend. So, um, so, so they are they're certainly uh, actively engaged. Um, I don't know what steps um, she's going to take uh, or not take. So, I, I mean, you know, but Whatever they do, um, I'm certainly sure we'll support. That being said, look, we shouldn't. I wish we didn't have to go through these negative experiences to um, to have something good come out of them or be a positive influence. But what I will say is this: um, I think the fact that this is happening now, especially in the age of social media, uh, I think it is going to to make people uh, look up and realize that this is not a post-racial society, something that we all heard after uh, President Obama got elected. So I think this just really is a, a slap in the face to, uh, or like a splash of water, you know, when you're sleeping to uh, to really uh, heighten your senses and make you really aware of what's going on. Now, the other thing I will say, um, for better or for worse, sometimes uh, we can be a crisis people. Uh, and and we certainly respond well to crisis. So I think the fact that we've got this going on is an opportunity for more people to get engaged, for more people to, again, to see exactly uh, what we're facing and rise up to the challenge. So uh, so that's what I'm hoping happens. I'm hoping leaders from around the country uh, look at this and see what's going on in their states and become active, uh, rise to this, to this challenge that we have, and let's all move forward and try to, to overcome it and defeat it. Amen and to that. I uh, one, last, one last question, Max, real quick. Sorry. All right. What do you think makes Louisiana so special that t- it takes billionaires, Ben and Jerry's, <laughs> from a small state in Vermont to put in their millions of followers on Instagram to vote against your bill? I, I mean, what what would you think, what do you think, made them do such a thing. I mean, it caused, I don't care what kind of cookie dough chip they got. I mean, now that I understand, I just well, can't eat that anymore. Well, How, what makes you look, think so, this so, No, nah, well, let me say this. No, last year, I can't, I can't, I can't fault Ben and Jerry's and those guys. I mean, look, there was a lot of confusion on the language. And, and I, I stood up and, and said that I didn't like the language and thought that the way it came through was, was more of a negative impact on us than it would be on a positive. And I think some other people agreed, even though, um, we had some folks, and, and Max and I have had this discussion, and we disagreed on it a little bit. But but that was last year, so I don't want to really get into that as much because I, again, yeah. these are these are some of the ways that folks are uh, used to try to divide and conquer us and, and try to make it uh, something different than what we intended. But I can tell you, uh, in 2023, we were all on the same page. We were all moving forward. And we have an understanding such that we'll all be moving forward in the same direction uh, as as we continue this, this struggle. Good. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you. Thank you, Corinne. I appreciate that. Thank you, uh, Representative Jordan, for your reply. Um, I do believe we have Yusuf here. Yusuf, are you with us? 
I am, I am. And you have to excuse me for the sound effect. Like, I literally just walked in the door, so I haven't found, like, a good spot to set up in. But, All right. Uh, Representative Jordan, great to uh, speak with you again. You know, I definitely commend you for the efforts that you're trying to yeah, – I mean, it's a system like no other. Like, when we look across the country, like, Louisiana <laughs> sets the pace for this uh, this, this uh, bulkhead that's been set up to block ending slavery and involuntary servitude, you know. And, you know, as I was listening to the hearings, the one question that kept popping up in my mind is uh, I was hoping that the question would come out to ask them why are they so against ending slavery and involuntary servitude, especially in 2023? Uh, so how do you feel about that, sir? Well, again, I will tell you that a lot of these guys take their marching orders directly from the Sheriff's Association, the uh, Fraternal mm. Order of Police, and, mm. and folks uh, of that uh, ilk. So, um, look, I, I I will tell you, this is the issue I think most people understand, but mm-hmm. but even those who, who don't um, really put the time into it, because, again, I had cases, I had case law, I have jurisprudence, I have what the courts have stated on this. And that's why I can tell you that their arguments were, uh, were, were red herrings and phony. I mean, because mm-hmm. the, courts have, the courts have spoken on a lot of this already. And address that it doesn't have anything to do with good time. It doesn't have anything to do with with the uh, the forced labor necessarily, and and all these other issues that they tried to bring up. And they will tell you that 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 involuntary servitude, as written in the Constitution, is considered a badge or an incidence of slavery. So it's That's more right. akin to slavery than it is anything else. And so right. uh, we got a lot of lawyers on those committees, but those guys are not going to take the time to research it for themselves and see what the answer is because they've already been told how to vote on this issue. Well, let's hope they're listening in today. Um, And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, uh, one of the things you could do is Representative Seaball is running for office. Uh, Let's make some ways in regards to his campaign to get elected. What is he running for, uh, Representative Jordan? Senate. He's running for Senate now. Yeah, he's He's running running for state Senate. Senate. So let's make some ways wow. in Representative Seaball's campaign and let everybody know he led the way in this pro-slavery argument and muddied the border as much as he could possibly do. And we don't want somebody like that in the Senate of right. Louisiana. So, yes, make him pay. So <laughs> right. I, have, I, have a, I have another question because I haven't had the opportunity to do the research on it. But, uh, Representative Jordan, do you have the history on how this – hard labor came about because it seems to be where we see what it says within the statutes that hard labor just determines where a person serves their time. But it seems to be this hidden agenda behind that, that these senators, or I'm sorry, these representatives were arguing with as like their reasoning behind not wanting to get rid of the, uh, involuntary servitude. So I'm just curious if you can share with us the history of this hard labor, how it came about, and why they're misusing it in this circumstance. 
Well, I, look, I tell you this. I can't. I can't. I, I. I don't want to get too deep into the the historical aspect because I couldn't tell you exactly where it originated. But what I can tell you is this. Um, again, you have to look at the sheriffs, and if you want to go to a historical perspective, and if we want to go, we don't have to go all the way back to Reconstruction. Let's just go back as far as Jim Crow. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look in the South, if you look at the South. Who were the people that were abducting folks from their homes usually? Usually somebody that was part of law enforcement coming in. Tell me how right. how some how it is that we had all these lynchings and none of these crimes or very few got resolved and when they did, it was usually the federal government that had to do some type of intervention. It didn't come from the local level. So you've got again, if we're talking about lineage and historically speaking, you've got somebody mm-hmm. saying not saying people, because most of those people are gone, but from a historical line, those same agencies and cultures that are built in. And so, again, they have, this is, you know, this is much deeper than just saying anything about work. Because I, I will tell you, uh, if you think it's just about forced work, I, I, I think you're missing the picture again, because the courts exactly. have already addressed that. This is much, much more about uh, dollars and cents. Much more about dollars and cents. And don't forget uh, the racial and class control involved in that, too, because they're not targeting affluent white people. Uh, The majority of people that are being targeted are those who are either black or native or Hispanic and poor in these communities. So there is certainly this racial and class bias that is involved in it. Uh, Representative Jordan, we're at the top of the hour. I'm not sure how much time you wanted to be able to spend with us, but if you've only got the first hour, I would want to give you an opportunity to say whatever you want to say to our audience, as always. But if you're going to spend a little bit more time with us, you are certainly welcome. Uh, Do you have a little bit more time? I probably got about 15 more minutes if you're going to take a break, uh, and then I can come back and, and probably do maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and then I uh, probably would have to get off at that point. All right, let's do that. Let's take a music break okay. at the top of the hour, and then we'll come back for another 10 or 15 minutes with you and give you an opportunity as well to just let anybody know anything you want uh, in order to uh, educate our community. We're going to go ahead and play Louisiana's Reject Slavery Abolition, the clip from the news during 2022, and that's going to be followed by Gil Scott Haram's Angola, Louisiana. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas, Yusuf Hassan, and our guest tonight, Representative Edmund Jordan out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We will be right back after this. Abolition Abolition. Tennessee has officially banned all forms of slavery. Voters approved a ballot measure that removes language allowing slavery and involuntary servitude as forms of punishment for those convicted of crimes. Alabama, Oregon, and Vermont also voted to change their state constitutions. In Louisiana, a former slave-holding state, the amendment was rejected.
day. Welcome back to Abolition Today. That was Louisiana Rejects Slavery Abolition. Uh, and that was followed by the uh, one of my mentors and heroes, Gil Scott Haran, the spoken word artist doing Angola, Louisiana. Uh, you're back with Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthage, Yusuf Hassan, and our guest today, Representative Edmund Jordan. Uh, Brother Jordan, <laughs> the music is fire, right? Yeah, look, you know what? Um, and I, I think I, you and I talked about this. I just uh, a few weeks ago we had another bill dealing with the um, non-unanimous jury and trying to make it retroactive. Well, as a part of that, we went to to visit uh, about forty or fifty guys at Angola. We went onto the grounds of Angola to meet with them to talk about. Um, their sentences and and how did you know how they wanted that bill to look coming out? So um, so anyway, yeah, that, that's that's a uh, interesting song. It's amazing how Louisiana's uh, representatives there and the legislators don't see what the rest of the country sees. So like there's articles that have come out recently from the Atlantic, for instance. And it's titled America's Slavery Reinvented. And guess who they point to as the prime example? Louisiana, particularly in Angola. The New Yorker came out with Angola prison and the shadow of slavery. They keep using your state as the example of how slavery persists Mm -hmm. in the United States today. Um, Is there there some kind of mental block going on with the legislators who don't seem to understand this? No, I don't see. I don't think it's a mental block. I think it's by it's by design. So here's here's the thing. When we talk about, uh, and of course, you know, we 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 changed our non-unanimous jury system. And for those who don't know, when I say Please that, tell I, them. let me say this: Louisiana and Oregon were the, the only two states in in America where you could be convicted of a felony by uh, less than a unanimous verdict. So if it was ten to two. Uh, you were you were deemed convicted, and this all came out of Reconstruction, uh, when when blacks and you know we're talking about Juneteenth now, when blacks were emancipated, um, you know they didn't want many blacks serving on the jury, and said basically where well, we get a couple of blacks serving on the jury, it won't matter anyway because mm-hmm. it used to be nine, and in fact when it was first instituted it was nine three, so even if you had three blacks serving on the jury and they all voted not to convict you to find you not guilty, it didn't matter. The nine mm-hmm. whites said that you were convicted, you were convicted. Later, it was changed in uh, the, the Constitution, I think, of 1974. Um, it was changed to 10-2, but still the same premise. Um, you know, what they were trying to do was make sure even if there were two blacks on the jury and they deemed uh, you uh, not guilty, but if the other 10 whites deemed you guilty, then you were guilty. So we changed that back in 2018, but... In order to get that bill passed and get it on the on the ballot, um, and we had cases in the court talking about whether it was going to be made retroactive. We had to say it wasn't made retroactive. Well, then it, the United States the Supreme Court kicked it back to the state on the issue of retroactivity. Mm. Oregon came and said, hey, look, we are going to make it retroactive, and all those guys who were convicted by a non-unanimous jury will get a new trial. In Louisiana... The Supreme Court, Louisiana Supreme Court, said they weren't going to make it retroactive. Mm. And so, yeah, we got a few friends uh, that are still so in there. there. You go. 
Curtis mm-hmm. Davis was one of those who was convicted in a non-unanimous jury and was innocent. Uh, also, Brother Cole, who calls him periodically, is there right now waiting for his chance what? to get another trial. You know, Louisiana leads uh, leads the nation in convictions that are overturned. So, yes, um, I mean, that speaks to another issue as well. The wrongfully convicted as well. Right. It's just so many things happening in this state that points at the continuation of slavery and involuntary servitude and even human trafficking. Because, you know, you're sending people from prisons to parishes all over the state and stuff like that. It's just mind-blowing. Um, there was one question that I did want to have. Uh, to ask you before we wrapped up with you, and that's about Ronald Green. You know, Ronald okay. Green was killed by the state police, uh, murdered by the state police, beaten to death, tased to death, and then they tried to cover it up. Uh, from what I understand, the knowledge of what had happened went all the way up to the highest offices, like the governor's desk and everything. And then, what was it, a year they covered it up until it was finally exposed? And you were involved in some legislation with that, weren't you? I was involved in that, but but they also created a task force uh, related to the death of Ronald Green, and I'm vice uh, I was vice chairman of that task force. And so right. uh, technically, it's still ongoing, but we haven't had hearings on it because the chair has not called another hearing on it. It's been uh, probably nine, ten months now. Wow, uh, nine, ten months wow. for hearings on it. Uh, no, no, and, and we had we had quite a few hearings, but we still had a few to still wrap this up and and give a conclusion. And I think Miss Harden, Mona Harden, who is Ronald Green's mother, uh, I've spoken to her and the family, so they certainly deserve at least that much. So um, hopefully between now and the end of the year, we can make that happen. Uh, I'm not as confident that it will, but uh, but we're going to continue to push for that as well. You know, it's instances like this that traumatize. Uh, people all across the country, particularly black people. And I was listening the other day to some advocates who want to work with the police to try to clean things up. And they were saying, you know, we've got to rebuild trust. We've got to rebuild trust. And I couldn't help but think to myself, when in the history of the United States have black people trust trusted police? Like when? <laughs> what are you rebuilding? Yeah. You, you want to initiate trust, not rebuild it because it, it's never been there. A- am I wrong? No, I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but what I but you know, I don't even know if it's a um if it's a trust issue in and of itself and the reason why I'll tell you that, look, you can talk to I and I've spoken to a lot of uh people in law enforcement. And some of them get it, but but a majority of those who get it will pull you aside and tell you that this is not the way that this institution is designed. So Institutionally, we have a we have a problem where, um, in my opinion, regardless of trust, and I think trust is a component, but but regardless of trust, still got to uh, you still got to get out there and um, change some hearts and minds and re-educate people. Really, I think that is, I think they've got to be retrained and re-educated. And if you don't do that, um, you can you can have all the trust in the world. The uh, the institution and the system is is going to take over uh, as it's done from the beginning. Well, Representative Jordan, we are certainly traumatized <laughs> and we are stinging from this loss. But, you know, I've been involved in a lot of losses over the years in these efforts. Louis, uh, 
Louisiana is going into the, is it the third try now in 2024 or is it the fourth? You know what? It really is the fourth. I think it is. If I, if my memory serves correct, this is 2024 right. would be the fourth try. Fourth try. But in Ohio, we're on our fourth there too. And then we're getting a lot of traction in Ohio, uh, in New Jersey. We're on our third effort. You know what I mean? These things don't happen overnight. They're not easy. We're literally changing state constitutions to abolish slavery for the first time. And we need miracles to make that happen. And sometimes we get them. So I'm not going to take it as the fight is over, but now I'm just more fired up to get this done. If we can do it in the last bastion of Confederacy, Louisiana, we can do it anywhere, and I believe we can get this done. But we're going to have to make some waves with these senators who are like Seaball, who are running for senators now. We got to affect those elections. Representative right. Jordan, I mean, right? That'll no, get their no, attention. Think, no, exactly. I think you, uh, I think you hit it on the on the head, but. Um, but I do think that we've got to, you know, we're going to have an opportunity from the aspect of we're going to have a whole bunch of, um, we're going to have a whole a turnover because everybody's going to be up for election this year. So hopefully we'll have enough turnover and a new mm. term will start uh, in January. And uh, so mm. we have some other people. Hopefully we'll get more like-minded people to uh, to get involved. And if we can get these House and Senate maps implemented, we'll have more minority representation as well. So that'll be good. Amen. Uh, if there was ever a year that you needed to get out and vote 2024, it's going to be it. Everybody's up for re-election in Louisiana. Uh, Representative Jordan, I want to give you the opportunity to just say anything you want to say uh, to our audience as well as us, because uh, you are a brother that is very learned and, and wise. Um, and if you want to send them to something of interest, them to uh, maybe help with, just let us know. No, well, look, I, I'll keep it brief. Again, I want to tell all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day. And uh, and start with that, and, and hope they're having a blessed uh, day today. But but that being said, I, I will tell you, uh, as much as they try to discourage us and try to uh, sway us not to not to pursue uh, these endeavors, I just think it's something that we got to continue to do. I think it's it's the right thing to do. You know, somebody asked me, um, what are you what are you really trying to accomplish by this? And part of the argument is, well, if it's symbolic, it doesn't really mean anything. Well, my thing is, if it's symbolic, then why do we fight? If it's only symbolic, then why do we fight so hard uh, against it? I use the example of, uh, you know, we. Why did they? Why did they name these schools and these monuments after after Confederate generals like right. Robert E. Lee? You know, I don't want my daughter going to a school named after Robert E. Lee, uh, just like I don't want her to be in a state that still condones uh, slavery and involuntary servitude. So, That's you right. know, I, I use the example of if we were in, in Germany, um, we would not have uh, any problem getting rid of symbols of Nazism. And I think most people understand that. But uh, – and, I, and look, I'm not trying to compare pain, but uh, black folks experience pain just like everybody else. And mm-hmm. so we should not have to sub- be subjected uh, to that. And so I think, you know, look, we'll continue to fight this, and, and people can make the arguments that they want to make 
as to why it has no effect or little effect or why we're continuing to try to push uh, push this forward. But I think people of, of right mind and right consciousness um, understands this. Excuse me, understands this and and what we're trying to do. So that being said, I would just encourage everybody. I don't care if you're in California, I don't care if you're in Louisiana, I don't care if you're in North Carolina or wherever. Uh, get involved with these uh, state legislatures, um, whether it be via email, whether it be showing up in person, whether it be phone call. Uh, there are ways that you can certainly get involved and be active short of actually showing up at the legislature. It's always better when you do, but um, but get on their radar and let them know that this is an issue that's important to you. And uh, if we can motivate and, and get people together and coalesce around this, uh, I think, look, ultimately, we, just like some of these other states that have passed it, well, we can do it as well. Indeed. Thank you very much, uh, Representative Jordan. We appreciate your time here on this Father's Day on the eve of Juneteenth to spend it here with us talking about this issue. Uh, Hopefully our listeners understand a little bit more about what has just occurred and why it has occurred in the state of Louisiana. And also that um, we need your assistance to make some ways to make changes now in the elected officials uh, there so that we can have this can be done in our generation for our grandkids and our children to come and those who haven't even been born yet that will be subject to this insanity. Um, you have That's a blessed right. Father's Day, brother, and I look forward to you talking too. to you and, again. And, and Maz, I was about to tell you, look, if you uh, you know the uh, my my, my uh, phone is always available for you. If uh, if I get another invitation and we need to talk in the future, you know I'm willing to accept. So just let me know when, and uh, and I'll do my best to be there. And I got your back too, uh, brother Jordan. Indeed, That's right. let's, let's let's get it done. All right, you have a blessed day, brother. And uh, what we're going to do too, then, man. what we're going to do then is uh, we're going to go take one more music break, um, and then we'll come back and we'll have a little discussion and open up the phone lines. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the other states that are doing great right now in their movement forward. One of them is Ohio. So listen, let's listen to a representative of Ohio Families Unite for Political Action and Change, and that's going to be followed by Crosby, Stills, and Nash's live performance of Find the Cost of Freedom. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. We were just joined by Representative Edmund Jordan out of Louisiana, and we'll be right back after this. Abolition Today. Did you know that in Ohio, legal slavery as a form of punishment is still allowed in our criminal legal system? Yeah, you heard me right. Legal slavery. It's literally in our state constitution, and we had a video that went viral maybe a month or two ago at this point. It feels like forever ago, but it's not that long. State Rep. Brian Stewart is a big proponent of legal slavery and brought it up out of nowhere in committee. And as a result, we sent this bomb-ass letter with a lot of our partners basically being like, no. (laughs) No. We're not enslaving everyday Ohioans. We're not enslaving any Ohioans, period. We need to end that practice, fix our constitution. Guess what? Democratic Rep. Dontavious Gerald introduced House Joint Resolution 2 to end legal slavery, the form of punishment in Ohio, and has a Republican co-sponsor, Rep. Bill Plummer, 
which means this baby might actually go somewhere. So we're gonna need your help. We're gonna be doing testimony. We're gonna be going into that committee room and just packing the room with supporters. And we're gonna be doing public education. If you're willing to help, please DM me. It's gonna take all of us, all hands on deck to, can you believe it, actually end slavery in Ohio. Stay the course and stay strong. Wow. So you just heard, and I believe that was Gina Kenny speaking in the in the audio, Ohio Families Unite for uh, Political no. Action and Change. It wasn't. No, it that, sounded like no, it wasn't Gina. I don't know the young lady's name. Gina probably knows her name. Uh, but she only had under the video the title of the organization, Ohio Families Unite for Political Action and Change. Well, shout out to Gina Inway and uh, Epic in Ohio, ensuring parole for incarcerated citizens. And 
you know, this is a, hearing that music tells me why people need to listen to abolitionist music on the Abolition Today channel. You know, just the music that we have. You can hear anything from Lil Wayne or Cash Doll all the way out there on the other side to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> you know, it shows just how universal the movement of abolition is. It's something that everybody should be locked in on because it affects everyone. You know, at any given time, any given day, someone can become enslaved. It doesn't matter your race, your political affiliation, any of these things. So that's why everyone should be, it should be all hands on deck. And so that was Crosby, Stills, and Nash live, Find the Cost of Freedom. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. If you're just tuning in, you missed uh, Representative Louisiana Representative Edmund Jordan, but uh, of course, if you tune back in about an hour after the show, you'll be able to catch that portion of the segment, because I have to go back and re-listen, because I missed the entire conversation with the exception of the last few minutes, Max. Well, you know, um, we're going to have more conversation, and it's, it's, it's uh, the fact that you said all hands on deck, because this affects everybody, is a good statement to make, because I want to bring in another one of our callers. Uh, he's a returning caller here today, as a matter of fact, uh, but, you know, I understand what he represents, and I think it's time, as I have been saying now for years, Yusuf, that we find a way to work together with this group, um, and that mm-hmm. is the Convention of States. Uh, they are looking to uh, open up the Constitution for reinterpretation. Uh, it is a dangerous thing, but it nonetheless is on its way here, and we are the only other group that is moving to change constitutional amendments as well at this point, organizing state by state. And maybe there's a way that we can work together. Uh, let me go ahead and bring them in. Four nine five three. You hear what I'm saying, right? Well, they're not trying to open up the Constitution. What they're doing is they're making amendments to the Constitution as it has been done 27 previous times. Right. And the last time that happened, what was it? 1778 was the last time that happened. Well, amendment number 27. No. I mean, so 1778 was when you adopted the Constitution. Uh, hey, you had it reaching as the uh, income tax, which was 1913. <laughs> yeah, I know there's been 27 amendments, but I mean, a convention of state hasn't happened now for a couple of centuries. This will be the first time in a very long time. It will be the first time that it started from the bottom with the people, mm-hmm. because Congress would never, uh, Congress would never put fiscal restraints on their spending. They surely wouldn't impose term limits. And they surely would not uh, stop the overreach that they have. For instance, in Louisiana, Louisiana is a sovereign country, per se, and its land is its land. But you have a federal government that's issuing uh, licenses for the exploration and extraction of resources and collecting fees from that operation. Well, that money should go to the state of Louisiana, to the people of Louisiana. As you see in Alaska, where Alaska, uh, the people and residents of Alaska receive stipends based on that type of activity of oil exploration and drilling goes back to the people every year. Pretty nice sum. Well, you know what we want? We want this 13th Amendment thing done, uh, and it means a lot to a lot of people all across the country. 
I know that the Convention of States has quite a few amendments that they want to uh, put in, uh, everything from spending limits to term limits, right? Uh, but our number one thing is we want slavery ended. So how can we work together on that? Well, I think one thing you should do is start explaining to people what they're looking at. Hello? Because this is what happened. You know, at one point in time, Texas didn't, the citizens of Texas did not pay for the incarceration of this criminal. They worked, and the money uh, that they yeah. earned went for their house. Well, they worked now, let me tell you what literally, goes on. though. It was the same like, thing in, in Louisiana one time, too. Yeah, they worked them to but, death in these convict leasing programs. Well, yeah, but that's getting beyond. That's something else. And what you're not supposed to kill people. But when if you want the citizens to take on that burden themselves with, with increased taxes or the neglect of tax revenue going to things that is still going to exist, I think that that is kind of, I mean, something has to be done about that. Take the city of St. Louis. The city of St. Louis, just a reason, its public safety cost was 51% of its fiscal budget, which includes police. And then you got this crime by defunding the police. Well, criminality is not going to stop, and it has to be paid for. And now we're throwing that burden on the taxpayers who have already experienced the experience of the crime itself, which has cost them monetary damages. Yeah, but see, uh, what your your statement fails to include in those numbers is the number of lawsuits that have to be settled by violations of people's constitutional rights. Many states have huge budgets that have to pay off these lawsuits. Like, that's never talked about. And we're both, like, this This is away from the issue. We're talking about ending slavery and involuntary servitude. All of the other things are really just red herrings to divert from the conversation. We're talking about ending slavery and involuntary servitude, which are conditions. It's talking about the conditions. We're not talking about ending imprisonment. You know, we're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about ending slavery and involuntary servitude, which is going to change. It's going to humanize the people that are in prison. It's going, it's going well, to change the living conditions. It's going to change them being fed rancid food. It's going to change the exploitation of the families. We're not saying that, because I hear you mention a lot about victims and victim compensation. There's, there's, that's already included in sentences. The vast majority of states have uh, – fines and fees that go to victim compensation. It's called the Victim Compensation Board. So I get what you're saying with that. At the same time, we're just talking about ending slavery and involuntary servitude. Well, no one should have a problem with removing that from state constitutions and repealing, replacing it from the federal constitution. That's well, I all think it needs to be. About. I think it needs to be explained a little bit better because people use well, words like slavery. Before, we're in season four, episode 21. We've done a lot of explaining. You can go all yeah. the way back to March 15, 2020, and we've fully explained everything. We didn't just I understand that, but what I heard a commercial. I heard a commercial a few minutes ago, yes. and that's not the, the first one. That commercial had, had strong emphasis on the word of slavery, which is a yes. highly inflamed word. But that's it needs to be better explained because people say, man, you don't. You mean to say Louisiana still got slaves picking cotton? 
Yeah. Hang on, it's let me show you. Here. Let me give you some examples. Al Sharpton and Tawana Brawley. Remember that case? Another red herring. Another yeah, Al Sharpton. Go ahead and say what you got to say, brother. Yusuf, allow me Thank to you myself. very much. Like I was saying before, you look at some cases like the, the one with Tawana Barley and Al Sharpton where the the <clears throat> the victims turned around and filed a civil lawsuit against the accusation that they was made that came out that wasn't true because they caused them, Al Sharpton and Tawana, caused them damages monetarily. Well, people don't necessarily understand that and know that because the education is not going to the public, I think, the way it should. As I heard the commercial emphasize the word slavery, which is a highly volatile word, and it brings about certain emotions in people. And then the next thing you know, people will be agreeing with something on the front end, but they will be very devastated or surprised on the back end. I don't think that prisoners should be eating rancid food. I don't think that they should be uh, mistreated or inhumane. But I do think that they should be able to pay toward the housing where they are being incarcerated for the criminality that they were duly convicted of. So what would be your issue with having slavery and involuntary servitude removed from the Constitution? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something. The word involuntary servitude is when somebody is convicted, they don't voluntarily serve. They carry out the time that's imposed on that conviction. That's one thing. Well, that's not what involuntary servitude deals with. That deals with the labor, and that's being forced to work, meaning you could wake up and have a bad day. You know, your mother just died, and you don't want to work. You could end up getting Beaten to death has happened in many instances where people have gotten beaten to death for not going to work or they've lost good time credits, they've lost commissary, they've lost visits, they've lost their ability to use the phone just for maybe they needed a day to just get well, their head I, together. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. They that's what involuntary services do. So that's it, why my question yeah. goes back to what is the problem with removing slavery and involuntary servitude from the Constitution? It's only that. Well, let me like, add this no real. other issues. Everything let me else add is this to the question that you had. Let me, ask this to, let me add this to the question that you had. If they're not doing something, what are they doing? Just going to the gym? There's a false assumption that they don't want to work. There's a you know, all of it. And we're also ignoring the fact that just the mere fact of being there, there's a thing called warehousing bodies that's generating billions of dollars just for the mere possession of the body. So this is why I say we have to be cautious of red herrings and logical fallacies. We're talking about removing slavery and involuntary servitude from the constitutions. Everything else is a, is a distraction. 
Well, I think that the distraction is with the word slavery. Involuntary servitude, I don't see anything wrong with that because the person that's in prison surely don't voluntarily to go in there. They commit a crime, they're duly convicted of their crime that leads them to be in prison. And when you talk about slavery, well, people know, or should know, those that study civics, that the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution took care of that. I but it didn't, this, because it said, except uh, those yeah. convicted okay. of a crime. See, it accepted it. So, again, ignoring am I on the mute? Constitution. Am, am I on mute? Can you not hear me no, at all? Go ahead, Max. Go man. ahead, Max. I apologize, <laughs> man. Like, wow. <laughs> Breathe. All right? Now, I understand that the problem we're facing right now in this communication process is on the conservative side, things are very much black and white. There are no middle ground. So, for instance, you said that the system is fair, which means that everybody who is in a jail or a cage has obviously committed a crime because the American justice system is infallible. They don't make no mistakes and have never made any mistakes. They wouldn't hunt people for profit. They wouldn't hunt people for control, right? They've never done that and would never do it. And that goes against everything we know to be true, both presently and historically. The facts prove themselves. And although we're talking about slavery, we're not talking about chattel slavery, where you're born and die a slave. We're talking about where you become a slave for a period of time under the law. And you lose your rights as a human being and a citizen, not only while you're under this exception clause, but after you get out of it. So you serve your time. You do everything you're supposed to do when you get out. You still can't vote. You still can't get educational opportunities. You're having problems getting jobs and work. And these things cause a cascade effect across entire populations uh, that cause major damages. We want to get that exception taken out so that no one, for any reason, is ever considered the property of a person or the state. That is just something I think we could all agree on. Uh, But we would do our best, and we have been doing our best, to explain these things. As he pointed out, we're in our fourth season here on Abolition Today, and this is not the only outlet where you hear these things. We've been in major publications every year, all year long. We're on TV all the time, but you have to be looking in these areas in order to actually see those things. So maybe you're just not reading or seeing these things occur. But I believe that there are some things we can join forces on. And if you're looking to make the Convention of States become successful faster, we're over here with an entire voting block and one issue. And it's possible we could bridge the gap to solve both of our problems. Well, you're absolutely right. Right now, I think there's like 40,000 Louisianas that signed on to the petition, and they are active when they are notified about bills that's either either in alignment with COS or even the action arm of COS, which is nonprofit. So, yes, I think that there can be some middle ground where people uh, sit down. They do it all the time. We sit down and and hear what it is that you are uh, pushing, that you are trying to champion, and maybe the, the voters will consider uh, going along with it. Um, take it back to your group. Uh, let them know what we're talking about over here if they don't know already. Maybe they know already. 
and maybe we can have a sit down about it. Does that sound like something that is possible? Everything is possible, and I think that it needs to be better explained in the advertising because the word slavery is highly inflammable. And people use it like they use other words. I think it would probably go. See, right now you're not getting where you want to go, right? Yeah, but here's yeah. the thing. Here's your thing. And, and see, here's another thing. When we talk about the people that it's not just blacks that's experiencing this. But when we hear you talk about it, you say blacks, this, black, this. you got white prisoners that experience it too, right? Yes, but there's a reason that nope. we focus on the black people. Uh, one, I am one, and my family is one, and two, it's the uh, the numbers versus the number of whites. So there's a million white people in prison, effectively. There's a million black people in prison. Both of those are generally males, white males and black males, like 94% of each, right? But there's only uh, 47 million black people in this country, and of those adult males only make up about 6%. So a million from that 11 million is a huge difference versus a million from 190 million. Well, you, you're absolutely right. But when you look at the bureau, the, the bureau that reports that with the FBI, the rate per 100,000 for black males between 15 and 34 is 219. The rate per 100,000 for white males between those same age groups, 15 to 34, is only eight something. So what has to be done, you got to look at that and say, why is this? What is going on the cost of it? Well, we are going to need to have more of these conversations, and I look forward to them. But we got one more caller I want to bring in, and then we've got to wrap up the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate your time, um, and uh, look forward to hearing more from you. Uh, please talk to Keep the calling. folks. Keep calling. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and bring in 5283. 5283, you're on Abolition Today. You're on Abolition Today uh, with Max and Yusuf. Yes, thank you for taking my call. It's been a very stimulating and uh, interesting discussion. Uh, and I'd like to answer a couple of the points that were raised here earlier with your previous excellent caller. And number one, the question was asked as to why should they remove the exception uh, provision in the 13th Amendment for involuntary servitude and slavery. And my answer to that would be that it would remove the option for the states under their uh, 10th Amendment authority given to them in the Bill of Rights and Article 4 of the uh, Constitution. The Article 4, of course, is a section of the Constitution that deals with the states, and that would be uh, a Republican form of government in which the people of the state can importune their legislatures to either deny involuntary servitude, not to allow it, or to allow it. That is my answer as to why they shouldn't remove it. And as a practical matter, 16 states uh, have this exception in their constitution out of the 50 states of the union. Seven allow it, disallow it totally, completely, and all the others have no mention of it whatsoever. So as a practical matter, we're talking about 16 states of the union. And in all no. of those states where it is done, in all of those states where done, almost no state, I think maybe Georgia, maybe five, I can't remember they are, Georgia's one of them, Vermont's another, a couple others, maybe three others, uh, none of them make a inmate work involuntarily. They just won't get credits toward early release, and they won't get the freedom to go out and pursue something other than sitting around in a jail cell. So most inmates do prefer to work anyway. 
And now when you make the, the, the question of, of that there's compensatory programs for crime victims and state uh, programs, yes, that's true. I'm, I'm not but, trying to interrupt you, but we've only got like two minutes left, so if you could make it. Okay, then I can wrap this up in less time then. Uh, right. When you talk about compensatory statement uh, uh, programs for taxpayers, uh, and, and that you know taxpayers will pay reparations and compensation to victims of crime, I see no reason on God's green earth why that payment should not be mitigated by an able-bodied inmate enumerating the victims that they harm. I see no reason whatsoever that shouldn't be the case with, yes, even involuntary labor or voluntary labor, but I think it should be the inmate to the extent and, possible, renumerating the victim. And, and I agree and with you finally, the last point. I agree with you completely. The state is not infallible. That is why I say we have fewer laws to enforce, many that are unnecessary and possibly capricious, then we won't have as many people lock up in the first place. But it seems to me like a lot of the people who are advocating for getting rid of uh, uh, slavery and involved in that are the very people who want to heap millions of new laws on the books to regulate our behavior at every single level. No, that we're, we're only a one issue. That's all we've been working on is in every constitution. Also, your numbers are off in regards to the states. There were 25 states that had some form of exception clauses until 2018. For, uh, it was four of those that allowed for involuntary servitude. The rest had slavery and involuntary servitude. Some had even more, like Georgia allowed slavery for contempt of court, and Vermont allowed it for uh, debts and the like. Uh, kind of my arena uh, to know these things, just letting you know that that was the case. And also when it comes to the labor, you're talking about paying the restitution of victims. That's understandable, and I would agree with that as well. But unfortunately, in a place like Louisiana, inmates are making four cents an hour. How do you possibly pay anything for four cents an hour? Uh, Uh, I think that is a legislative remedy for that. I think we can do go legislative, increase their pay, allow them a greater range of options in which work where you don't want to follow the unions. I know that's going to be a big deal, but however you work it out some sort of way, to give them something. I know, I'm not even saying it will completely fill the bill. I'm saying it will go toward, somewhat toward renumerating the victims with some sense that these people have an obligation to renumerate the people that they harm. I think that well, is vital, even if it doesn't pay the whole amount. We are going to have to continue this conversation in upcoming shows or elsewhere. Uh, I appreciate your input, and thank you for calling. But we're about to wrap up well, the show. Sir, thank you very much. And get into our final segment. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, first of all, thanks to our callers and to Representative Jordan. Happy Father's Day to all um, on this pre-Juneteenth night. Uh, For the next two weeks, we will not be on live. We'll be playing a couple of replays as both Yusuf and I will be on the road doing abolition work and things like that. Uh, But we'll come back on July 9th, uh, which is my son's birthday. Happy birthday, Jason. And uh, we will give you an update on what's been going on. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have a lot more conversations like this along the way. Yusuf? Yeah, uh, great job holding it down, but it's for uh, for me, Max. You know, uh, (laughs) I tried to get here on time. Traffic was just crazy. You know, six-hour flight, basically four hours of traffic. So it's been a long, hectic day. And And you know how passionate I am about abolishing slavery and involuntary servitude, you know, and and I like for conversations to stay on that topic. It's not saying that there aren't peripheral issues that need to be addressed, 
but we know that the root cause is abolishing slavery and involuntary servitude. And that's why I like keeping it on that. Thank you so much, Representative Jordan, for calling in. Uh, I came in, I, I heard Corinne speaking, uh, and also the two gentlemen who just called. And I still haven't caught their names, you know, and I hope they go back and listen to our archives, you know, to, to, to see what has been taught on the show and for them to keep calling in. Because in order for us to come together and have this concerted effort, these conversations have to be had. They're going to be tough conversations. They're going to be sometimes heated conversations. But I'm going to I'm going to work on that. You know, thankfully we have the calm, cool, collected Max here. <laughs> you know, Max knows I can be a hothead at times. So I apologize to our listeners for me going off like that, even for the callers for me uh, interrupting them when they speak. Uh, so that's what I have to say. Uh, I think we have uh, – do we have any announcements, Max? Um, yes, the As announcement you know I just of. made a moment ago, we're going to be off air for two weeks. While I'll be in Kentucky for a week. And I know you said you'll be traveling. You're in California right now, as a matter of fact. For the past three, four weeks, right. you've been in a different city and time zone each week. <laughs> you know? Out here getting uh, to work, man. We, you know, getting to work. Getting to work. Right. So July 9th, we'll come back with a live presentation. But we're not done. We'll be doing work all along. So check out, uh, check out our social media accounts and follow us there so you can see updates every day on what's going on. And always remember to go to the Abolish Slavery National Network's website, which is abolishslavery.us, for all kinds of wonderful resources and information and music mm-hmm. and all of that to help you along the way in understanding. As the men said, uh, we could ex- explain it more. Well, there's a lot of explaining happening on that page. Yusuf? For sure. For sure. And, again, thanks, Max. I appreciate it, man. I All right, it. should I should I do the sponsors thing today? Yeah, do the sponsors. Uh, no, I can do the sponsors. I'll, okay, you know, and we're going with uh, Gordon for the for the yes. clothing, right? Yes. Okay, so thank you so much to our uh, again our callers, our guests, uh, the sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IMW Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network. Say My Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash abolition today. And also our Facebook page, uh, Abolition Today. And definitely hit up our uh, uh, Abolition Today number one on Twitter. Tonight's Bridging the Gap is going to be Gordon Whipped Peter from Black Authentic Truth, and that's going to be followed by Bob Marley and the Whalers' Redemption Song, one of my favorites. So as Max said, we'll be away for the next two weeks, but definitely tune in because we're going to pull out some gems from the archives and reshare them with you all. Until then, happy Juneteenth. But slavery is still alive. Just remember that we're we're celebrating an incident, not the end all be all. So, thank you all. Thank you, Max. Tune in next week for the archives, and we'll be back on 
Sunday, July 9th, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until then, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. 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 Gordon, our whip Peter, was an enslaved African-American who escaped from a Louisiana plantation in March 1863, gaining freedom when he reached a Union camp near Baton Rouge. Upon learning of his escape, his master recruited several neighbors and together they chased after him with a pack of bloodhounds. Gordon had anticipated that he would be pursued and carried with him onions from the plantation, which he rubbed on his body to throw off the dog's scent. Such resourcefulness worked, and Gordon, his clothes torn and his body covered with mud and dirt, reached the safety of Union soldiers stationed at Baton Rouge ten days later. He had traveled approximately 80 miles. While at this encampment, Gordon decided to enlist in the Union Army, as President Lincoln had granted African Americans the opportunity to serve in segregated units only months earlier. Gordon was at the front of a movement that would ultimately involve nearly 200,000 African Americans. It was during this medical examination, prior to being mustered into the Army, that military doctors discovered the extensive scars on his back. Not much is known about Gordon aside from the testimony he gave the medical examiners and the image of his back and the keloid scars he suffered from his beating. He told examiners that he had left the plantation 10 days ago and that the man who whipped him was the plantation's overseer. After the whipping, he was told he had become sort of crazy and had threatened his wife. As he lay in bed recovering, the plantation owner fired the overseer, but Gordon had already determined in his mind to escape when he was able. A surgeon with the 30th Regiment of the Massachusetts Volunteers sent a copy of the photograph to the Surgeon General of the State of Massachusetts. In his accompanying letter, he wrote, Few sensation writers ever depicted worse punishments than this man must have received. Though nothing in his appearance indicates any unusual viciousness, but on the contrary, he seems intelligent and well-behaved. Within months, commercial photographers in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, and London were issuing this image on their own studio mounts. Recognized as a searing indictment of slavery, Gordon's portrait was presented as the latest evidence in the abolitionist campaign. An unidentified writer for the New York Independent wrote, This card photograph should be multiplied by 100,000 and scattered over the states. It tells the story in a way that even Miss Harriet Beecher, author of Uncle Tom's Cabin, cannot approach, because it tells the story to the eyes. Records of Gordon's military service during the Civil War are incomplete. Harper's Weekly reported that he served as a Union guide in Louisiana and that during one expedition he was taken captive by Confederate forces, beaten and left for dead. Yet he supposedly survived and returned to the Union lines. The Liberator reported that he served as a sergeant in the African-American regiment that fought bravely at the siege of Port Hudson, an important Confederate stronghold on the Mississippi River, 20 miles north of Baton Rouge. There are no further records indicating what became of Gordon, yet this famous image of him lives on as a searing testament of slavery's brutality and the fortitude, bravery, and courage displayed by so many African-Americans during this time period. This is the story of Gordon, also known as Whip Peter. Old pirate, yes, a rabbi, sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I, from the bottom lifted, but my hands was made strong. 
By the end of the Almighty, we forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but the ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom is all I ever had Redemption song Redemption song Redemption song Yourself from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our mind. Oh, have no fear for atomic energy, cause none of them can stop at the time. How long shall they kill our prophets? While we stand aside and look, yes, some say it's just. Part of it, we've got to fulfill the book. Won't you hear to sing these songs of freedom? Is all I ever had. Redemption songs, all I ever had. Redemption songs. Songs of freedom, songs of freedom. Abolition, 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 abolition. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.